Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Hello and welcome to The Jump. I'm Brian Winhurst in for Rachel Nichols today. And joining me is ESPN senior NBA writer and all-around good guy, Zach Lowe. Hi, Zach. And 2016 NBA champion and longtime good guy, Richard Jefferson. Hope you guys are doing really well. Hey, coming up, the NBA is not going to be testing for recreational drugs at the Orlando bubble site. This is an indication of a future change to the league's drug policy? Hmm, we'll discuss. But first, Dame Lillard did a wide-ranging interview with Vanity Fair, but one comment stood out to the NBA Twitterverse. Lisa Robinson, the Knicks fan who interviewed Dame, asked him to come to New York, kindly in fact, and he said, quote, I thought I was headed there a few years ago. I was hearing trade rumors. The Garden is my favorite place to play. Richard, I know how much Nick fans love you and always like hearing your opinion on the on their team. Uh, what would it have been like to see Lillard in a Knicks uniform? Nick fans, let me say this. Going back to LeBron James and with his situation when he went back to Cleveland, he didn't have a very good relationship with Dan Gilbert, as a lot of people know. Dan Gilbert took out a full-page ad criticizing LeBron for leaving point is, is that you don't have to have a great relationship with the owner. And, you know, the way James Dolan has handled this situation, how he's handled situations in the past, it might lead you to believe that you will never, ever get a free agent. But sadly, you are still the Knicks and you still have Madison Square Garden. So for Dame and some future player eventually will want to go and play for that fan base. They will want to go and play in that city. I don't know if Dame is going to be that guy, but the allure of the garden and the city has not gone away, and players still recognize that. Yeah, I mean, look, the Knicks, I, I will say, though, RJ, people around the league I've heard from agents and players that they've definitely taken note of the Knicks, let's say, slow response to the George Floyd tragedy. And when you're a max player, you're a max player everywhere. You essentially have 30 choices. And I'm not saying that's going to be a deal breaker for the Knicks, but it's going to be a variable, I think, that some of those players will factor in along with the appeal of New York and the, along with the appeal of Madison Square Garden. It's just one of many variables that people will take note of. And I, I don't remember, Brian, I don't remember these Dame Lillard trade rumors to New York. Do you remember these? I, I'm a, yeah. I think I missed these. I went back, Zach, and tried to figure out when this could have been. Um, you know, there was a little bit stuff here and there. The only thing I could think was... Remember after they had that terrible sweep loss to the New Orleans Pelicans and Dame asked to talk to Paul Allen, the owner, uh, the late Paul Allen, and really kind of wanted to know where the organization was going. Maybe the, maybe he started the trade rumor, but he heard what he what he wanted to from Paul Allen. They retrofitted the team a little bit. And they had a great year and West of the, went to the West Finals last year. I don't know what other time he had been talking about. And or Zach, I don't know what the Knicks would have traded for him, to be honest. Poor Zingas, but they would have needed a lot more to get it done. Yeah, I don't I don't see Portland having any interest in any real Knicks deal. I guess if you theoretically go back in time and offer poor Zingas and some other stuff, yeah, you could you can have a conversation, but I I am not under the impression that this ever went anywhere any really anywhere. Well I no, will say this. Dame Lillard. There'd be a lot of teams begging for Dame Lillard. 
Yeah, and he signed a $250 million extension last summer. Uh, he it. is probably not going underpaid. anywhere. Underpaid. Um, the NBA wow. has, has decided, underpaid, wow. Uh, we'll see about the next CBA. The NBA has decided they're not going to test players for, or they are going to test players for PEDs, are going to test players for PEDs, but not pot once they get to the so-called bubble in Orlando. This was first reported by The Athletic. Now, there could be uh, an addendum to the CBA later this year, ahead of the December start of next season. And so that means rules could change. So, Zach, with the league essentially clearing marijuana usage in Orlando, is this the first step to legalizing marijuana permanently in the NBA? Hey, look, if you're going to be stuck in a bubble in a (laughs) hotel room in Orlando for, like, a long time, you got to have something to get you through the time. And this is a discussion. I have a feeling whenever the NBA does move on this and what other sports leagues do move on this, we're gonna, our reaction collectively is going to be like, what took so long? Like a lot of states have already moved on this. It's not even an open secret that a lot of athletes do it and a lot of non-athletes do it. It's just sort of a regular fact of life. So I guess this is one of many things that we will look at as a signal. But the signals are already blaring out there. Well, and you're right. But let's let's go back. There was a there were some public issues right with a with how the image of the league was. Then you had baseball and their steroid issues. So every single team, every single like sports league, increased their drug testing policies. When I first came into the NBA, there was one drug test. You knew the date. It was called the dummy test because only a dummy would <laughs> fail it. So then after that, every player could do. They could smoke weed. They could do whatever it was. Then baseball and the steroid situation happened. They all upped their policies. They wanted to change the public image of the NBA. They implemented the dress code. Now you fast forward to today. Weed is an essential business here in California and pretty much everywhere. They were open all across the country during this pandemic. So, you know, it's so crazy how things have changed in like a quick 10, 15 years to now you're in a space where, hey, they, they players can do whatever it is that they choose as long as there's no PEDs. And I think to your point, Zach, yes, what took so long? Now let's get some of the people that are in jail for these offenses out of jail. Well, I should, point out, I should point out that marijuana is not fully legal in Florida, but it is decriminalized and it's going to be decriminalized in the bubble. Typically, players are tested four times randomly during the season for recreational drugs like this. They suspended those tests during the pandemic, so really nothing changes there. Hey, coming up, two-time WNBA All-Star Asia Wilson spoke to Rachel earlier this week to discuss the likelihood of, the, of a 2020 WNBA season, the ongoing protests, and quarantining in Vegas. Stick around. But first, it's time for our distant replays from this date in NBA history. 75 to 62 with 510 to go in the third. Well, I have Drexler attacking the basket on the dunk and the foul on the play. Lambeer, I believe. Now you'll see. I'll tell you, he's really up, up, upping his game. But San Antonio's defense has been much, much better. Mills, not that time. Leonard on the follow. Kawhi Leonard throws it down, and it's a 22-point game. And boos now from the Heat fans. How about this? Who, what, where, when, and Kawhi. <laughs> the Jump is brought to you by Disney Plus. All of your favorites, all in one place. Sign up today. 
It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Is your money not sure what to do with itself right now? At Ally, they'll help it save for the future with their smart savings tools. Bucket your money for the things that matter most. Analyze your spending and save automatically. All on top of a competitive rate. For all things money, you deserve an Ally. Visit ally.com slash savings for more info. Ally, do it right. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Tomorrow, we'll have another UFC fight night from the Apex in Las Vegas. The main card starts at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, with prelims at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the ESPN app. But first, Rachel spoke to Las Vegas Acers star Asia Wilson earlier this week. Take a look. Thanks, Brian. Welcome into Asia Wilson, star of the Las Vegas Aces and such an important voice in the WNBA. Asia, you're supposed to be playing basketball right now. Instead, like everything else, the W has been shut down. But now that we've had some progress on talks on setting up a bubble environment for you guys on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that you will have some kind of season? Um. Scale of one to 10, uh, I guess I would have to go with like an eight because I just, I want to be optimistic and I want to say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to play and and I would love to play. Uh, But, you know, safety's first and that's what we have to do. We have to focus on that. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to do what's best for each other, for us. What they're looking at right now is 22 games, which is, of course, down from your usual 36 at a single site location in Florida. Yeah. To me, the most remarkable part of all this is that the WNBA Executive Committee collaborated with the league office to get you guys still paid what you deserve, no matter how many games you end up playing. What does that say of the power of players here, a group where a majority of whom are black women? Yeah, I mean, it says a lot. It really does. Uh, You know, your voice can go a long way and it's just a matter of using it and speaking for those that may not know how to use their voice just yet. And I just think that's that's how our executive council is. They really fight for what's best for us. They want to make sure that it's good on both ends and it's a win-win situation, of course. But at the end of the day, it is about your players because, you know, that's that's what's getting it. That's what's getting everyone going. So, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I stand behind them 100% in what they what they believe in. And they, they hear us out. That's the biggest thing. They listen to our voices. You know, we have player reps and different things like that. So I just really hope that, you know, whatever happens, we just get on the floor and we play. Look, you guys have been out front on using your voices on all kinds of things, on social issues for years. What has it been like to watch the past couple of weeks, see so many around the country coming to a fight that you guys have been supporting for so long? Yeah, it's finally like a, like, just thank you. Like, this is what it's all about, us coming together to make a change because this is unacceptable. Uh, It shouldn't take a black man dying for us, for the world to come together because this has been going on for years. And, you know, everyone's like, black people are tired. We are. Uh, We've been tired. It wasn't just now. We're tired from Emmett Till. It shows those little things that's like, 
just waking everybody up now. And it's like, okay, finally you're on board. But I remember when the Minnesota Lynx wore the I Can't Breathe shirts, like started that movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a teammate my rookie year that kneeled during the anthem. And like, that just shows so much courage that we have as women, but black women as well. And it's just, it's really special when you have a, a lot of people behind you like that. It's really been remarkable. And you can go back season after season, year after year of what the women of the WNBA have done. And I want to be curious, once games do resume, if they resume this summer, what can WNBA and NBA players do to use their platforms to keep that fight against racism, against police brutality in the national conversation? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us, and I think we all know as athletes, is this isn't a trend. This isn't just a hashtag. This is something that we live every single day. And we're not going to stop until we get justice because it's been going on far too long for us to just sit around and say, okay, we'll just wait till the next big thing happens. When it's like, no, this is something that we have to stay on board with all the time. And I love, you know, sometimes I try to stay away from social because it can just be very overwhelming. But when you see players in the WNBA, the NBA, the whole sports world coming together and saying, hey, we're going to fight this thing. I think it really brings light to a lot of different things because one thing we all know is people love their sports. And when you, when your favorite players out there fighting for something, I'm pretty sure it helps the fans do as well. So for us, this is not a trend. Uh, This is something that we live. And we're not going to stop until we until we get and do what's right. I love hearing that. You mentioned Las Vegas, where you have been throughout this quarantine. Yeah. It has been a weird couple months in Vegas, Asia. Oh, my <laughs> um, goodness. First, all the casinos and hotels were shut down. No tourists anywhere. <laughs> then they reopened. What has it been like? It has been crazy. Um, my boyfriend and I, we drive down the strip before, and it's just like a ghost town. And I'm like, never would have I ever imagined the strip being a ghost town. Like, it's just so quiet and, like, dead-like. And now, since the state has opened up, it's getting a little bit there. You see kind of groups like, okay, we're going to go out to Vegas, and you see them. But it's still not the same, and especially when it comes to MGM. Like, we own a lot of properties on the strip. So it's like, you know, yeah. we're just eager to open up everything and let people come by. Marquise is like, we miss you. Come back. So it's been tough. It's been really, really different. Quiet. But at the same time, I know Vegas is like waiting for that one special moment just to like burst into just entertainment because we're the entertainment capital of the world. So, you know, we really got to take that in. It has been different, though. I never would have thought I would have been seeing Vegas the way that I saw it. <laughs> I think they need to work up some new slogans, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas as long as you wear a mask or something like that. Like and some gloves. Don't, don't bring it home with you, that sort of thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. We cannot wait to see you back on the court where you belong, uh, showing off your game and using your voice as well. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Coming up. On this date in 2002, the Lakers won their third straight title against Richard and the Nets. We'll ask Richard why he thinks that's the best team he's ever faced in four trips to the NBA Finals when the jump returns. But first, here's what the jump recommends today. Spurs guard Lonnie Walker shared a powerful story last night about the reason why he cut his long hair and how it freed him from the painful memories of sexual abuse earlier in his life. Dave McMenamin recapped it on the ESPN.com and also on the ESPN app. Everyone at the jump commends Walker for sharing his trauma so bravely. Though we're apart these days, we're sharing more. So at Geico, we'd like to say thanks. Thanks for sharing your savage dance moves. Thanks for sharing your DIY haircut fails. Thanks for sharing your inner lip sync star. 
Now it's our turn to share with the Geico Give Back, a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. Because we're committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Visit geico.com slash giveback for more info and eligibility. The Jump is brought to you by The Last of Us Part 2, available June 19th, rated M for Mature, and Wendy's 2 for 5. Price and participation may vary for a limited time only. And coming up next, it's First Take Extra before a one-hour edition of UFC Live. That's followed by a two-hour Sports Center on 5 on ESPN with the PTI guys joining at 5.30. And you know what it is now. It's crunch time here on The Jump. On this date in 2002, the Lakers swept Richard's New Jersey Nets. Richard, you look the exact same today as you did then. To complete a three-peat for Shaq, Kobe, and Phil. I know, Richard, that you've said these Lakers are the best team you've ever faced, and that includes those that's 2016 and 17 Warriors, as well as the 2003 Spurs. Let me ask you this. Um, what sets that Laker team apart from those other great teams you saw? Now, I, I, obviously, the Spurs team was great with, with the Twin Towers and David Robinson and Tim Duncan, and then the Warriors team uh, with Kevin Durant. The one thing, and obviously Shaq is the one person. A lot of times when you watch the Golden State Warriors and you watch how they play that small ball defense, they'll do what you call a triple switch. So they'll switch Steph uh, onto a bigger player, and then when that player rolls into the post, they will then switch out. Uh, they will switch Draymond, or they will switch KD, or they would switch Harrison Barnes, whoever it was. They would switch a, a bigger player onto that post player and then put Steph back out to the perimeter. This is the issue with that. That amazing defense that works so well because there aren't <laughs> dominant post presences. I know where you're going. Not nearly as much. You weren't going to be able to do that. <laughs> they were going to throw that ball into Shaq. He was going to catch it and dunk it. And one thing that Shaq made you do, he made you carry two, if not three, bigs on your roster because you needed those fouls. You needed those big bodies because he was so dominant. So then what does that do? That shortens your ability to play small ball. It shortens your ability to play small ball because you got to have two or three bigs on your roster. There isn't carry one, one and a half. This D'Antoni situation would have never worked. P.J. Tucker would have quit before having to guard Jack <laughs> in, in a seven-game series. So that's why, to me, that is the best team that I've ever played against. It's the best team that I've seen. Now, the, the, the 17 Warriors with Kevin Durant was very, very close. But ultimately, I still need to see something that would have told me that they would have had a game plan for Shaq. RJ, RJ, did you ever take an offensive foul from Shaq? And how much money would you have had to be paid to take a charge from Shaq going at full speed? No, I tried to dunk on Shaq one time, and that was like always a no-no. I tried to dunk on Shaq one time, and he just put me on my tail and threw the ball at me afterwards for even trying to. <laughs> I'm just letting you know right now that Shaq, Shaq is a gentle giant, but not when he played games. Like, he would dunk the ball. I remember one time trying to go up and just even blocking him, right, just to try and swipe at the ball. And he was like, Watch out for your wrist. I'll break your wrist, big fella. And just kept running <laughs> down the floor. And it was like there were times that we fouled Shaq and they didn't call it. But there was multiple times where we fouled Shaq and didn't call it. They would just let him just keep playing because it didn't affect him. So I, I, I'm not knocking these great teams, the Spurs and the Warriors. I'm not saying that. But until you show, until there was an idea or you could show me that there was going to be a game plan, because the game plan that they've used that's been so effective over the years wouldn't work against him. 
Yeah, well, I'll say one thing. Um, you know, I don't know what would have happened at the other end when Shaq would have had, would have been a real debate. You know, that's when everybody keeps saying, hey, listen, what if that team played another team from a different era? Who knows? Because at the other end, Shaq would have, in theory, had to come out to the perimeter to guard Draymond. What yeah. would have worked out? I know some people would say three points is worth more than two, but Shaq was one of the most unstoppable forces um, we've ever seen. On this date in 2011, the Mavericks pulled off an upset over LeBron Wade in the Heat to capture the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Richard, what did beating the Heatles do for Dirk's legacy? Well, it made him uh, the second best international player of all time behind Akeem Olajuwon, and it made him the best European of all time, in my opinion. Uh, but one thing that I will say about this, as great as that was for Dirk, I felt like in the Dallas Mavericks organization and being around them, they felt like one championship was an underachievement in Dirk's 20 years in this league. He is an individual that was so great, so talented, Understand, they were up 2-0 in the finals and were uh, a few free throws away from being up 3-0 against Miami. Then they go and have 67 wins. They go and have 67 wins. Dirk went to the postseason 15 times in his career. So to only come away with one championship, as happy as they are, if you were to ask everyone that was there during Dirk's tenure, they felt like they probably should have won two, maybe three championships. That said, um, and I, I agree with you, RJ, there are a lot of missed opportunities there for Dallas. I think how memorable that one Dallas team is to even neutral NBA fans, and part of the reason it's memorable is because they beat the Heat in year one when LeBron was a villain, wearing the black hat and all that, but it does show there is a certain power, no matter how much we get into the era of player empowerment, how, how much we get used to players changing teams, it does mean a little more when you stick with one team and you finally break through in the end, mm-hmm. it just it just does. There's no way to there's no way to not say it does. Yeah, so I, that no, I entire agree. that entire playoff run for Dirk was magical. He was at the absolute top of his game, and also during that finals, he 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 tore a ligament in his finger during game one, and then dealt with a cold or flu or whatever during games three and four. He was it was 105 degrees in Dallas at that time, and he was walking around in a sweatsuit zipped up to his to his chin uh, because he was so cold. Of course, LeBron and Wade got in a little bit of trouble for mocking that. So in addition to his greatness, he dealt with some adversity just within that series. Um, but moving on, uh, according to Hawks general manager Travis Schlenk, the NBA is considering condensing its schedule next season so that even though it wouldn't start until December – it could end close to regular time in late June or early July. To do this, they'd have to roll back some of the progress they've made the last few years in reducing back-to-backs and four and five nights. Zach, how close to the 82 games do you think the NBA can really get next year? I mean, it depends how much they're willing to roll it back, and it depends how much load management they're willing to accept. Because if they go back to a world of four on five, four and five, and even a couple three in a row, you're going to get a lot of guys resting, and justifiably so. This is an unprecedented situation, and it's easy for us to say, "Well, just don't play it in two games; just cut a lot of games." But we're cu- we're coming off a big revenue hit already, so who knows what the owners are going to be re- willing to do? This is just this is a problematic once in a lifetime, hopefully, situation. Yeah, you, you, these are the moments that you have to just adjust and you have to tweak and you have to be flexible. You have to, and again, you're going to have to put national TV games at the front end of these first three games if you're going to do three games in a row or four games in five nights. Make sure that you have a situation where the players and teams understand the games that are of importance, especially the nationally televised games. Well, it certainly is going to be interesting. We'll have to see how it plays out. Hey, Zach and Richard, thank you so much. The Jump will be back on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend.